Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 20 of the Sin Essential Podcast. My name is John Gilpatrick. Joining me this week is Aaron Pinkston. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, going to try not to anger the river gods today as we talk about Brian Sweeney Fitzgerald. <laughs> I think that's a, a wise choice. Uh, also, on the, oh, yes, also on the line, uh, Sarah Gore. Sarah, what's going on with you? I'm just doing pretty good, taking um, my place on the podcast as official liaison to Werner Herzog. I am only one one degree of separation away from him, so I feel like that's just as good as basically best friends. Yeah, more or less. It's an interesting best friend to have. Uh, I can't wait to uh, hear some of those super secret sleepover (laughs) stories. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're really good. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Lots of fun. His crushes are weird. His his crushes are weird. Yeah, I I can imagine volcanoes and (laughs) whatnot. And spiders in darkness. (laughs) Uh, The film we're going to be discussing this week is uh, Fitzcarraldo, the 1982 uh, Movie. I don't know how else to classify it, Sarah, <laughs> by Werner Herzog. Um, um a Werner Herzog fiction film that does, in fact, exist. It does. It is, in fact, a movie that we all watched recently. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was an interesting one. First time for me. I'll get into that in a little bit. But, Sarah, you are leading the coverage. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the film and your relationship to, relationship to it and Herzog? Well, as I already said, we're best friends. So. Um, always got to watch my buds' movies. No, um, so in I want to say 2012, maybe 2013, I read um, "Conquest of the Useless," which are the production diaries that Herzog wrote while he was making the movie. I think it spans almost like four years the bulk of it's from about like 80 and 81, but he started working on this movie in like 78, 79. Um, So I read the book and then I don't remember exactly whether it was because of the book or because I am weird. Um, (laughs) I went to Iquitos in the Amazon in Peru where the movie was filmed Uh, And I stayed at a place called La Casa Fitzcarraldo, um, which was, I knew like an homage to the movie. And I knew it was where the cast had stayed during parts of filming. And what I completely forgot (laughs) until, I think I must have realized at some point when I was there, but I didn't remember until very recently that uh, Walter Saxer, the man that either owns or just runs the hotel, uh, is Herzog's production uh, manager from the movie Fitzcarraldo, uh, juicy hot goss. He, <laughs> he hates him. Oh, wow. Walter Sexer hates Herzog. <laughs> uh, and then I was reading, I was going back through the book recently and I was like, Oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. They super didn't get along during this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I didn't actually watch the movie, I think until I got back from the jungle. And so now Fitzcarraldo, other than being a movie that I just really, really enjoyed, I feel like it's not nearly as dark in a lot of ways as a lot of Herzog's other endeavors. Yeah. And I feel like despite its length, I just think it's a much more accessible movie than a lot of the other things that he's done. And now it's like, I loved the movie, but it's also like jumbled up with all these like 
feelings about remembering being in this place and that's like so far removed from anywhere else in the world and then also like everything that I know about how the movie got made so it's just like this big old mishmash of things that I I like a lot so yeah cool long, long answer to an easy question but it was an <laughs> interesting answer uh and uh yeah I can't wait to get into that a little bit more uh, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your Fitzcarraldo uh, relationship? Well, I have a much less personal connection to Fitzcarraldo than <laughs> Sarah does. Uh, that could probably be said to everyone uh, who has who wasn't involved in making the the yeah. movie. Who's uh, uh, production? Uh, who on the production staff are you friends with? <laughs> right. So, uh, Cholo, just Cholo. Me and Cholo go way back. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I had this is not my first time seeing Fitzcarraldo, though it's been many, many years since I had seen it before uh, I revisited it for uh, the purpose of this podcast. Uh, though I, I've seen many of Herzog's films, both. Um, uh, fiction and documentary throughout the years and i think of his fiction films actually my my deepest connection goes with uh the other i think of uh herzog's jungle masterpieces uh aguirre wrath of god as that was the first movie that i watched on netflix streaming back when They had like ten movies to choose from. Yeah, and I remember that too. Only watch like ten hours a month or something. Could you imagine? Like, <laughs> right? I do remember that back back when. Uh, depending on how many discs you got in the mail, determined how many hours you could watch the streaming service. Oh God, how weird. Uh, and that was like one of the only like actual good movies that they had <laughs> at the time. So. Uh, yes, um, way back when. God, that must have been like 12 years ago or something. Crazy. Uh, I think it was like 2008 or 2009. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Way back when. Anyway, Fitzcarraldo. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this is a, a great movie in both meanings of excellence and of scale. Um. I think what really struck me this time watching it uh, is that in terms of kind of the the getting deep into the jungle movies that I can recall and have seen, Fitzcarraldo seems kind of different in that it it's 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 less episodic than I feel the genre typically is. I mean, there is some uh episodic moments um throughout but i feel like most of these kinds of movies like you have the scene where everyone uh-huh. gets sick you have the scene where there's like some dangerous animal on the prowl there's a scene where like the hero of the movie like meets some crazy american who's like randomly in the jungle like there are all these sort of touchstones of, of these kinds of movies and i think because of the nature of of fitzcarraldo being a very uh, sort of macro story, how mm-hmm. it's, it, it's sort of a high, I, I mean, there, there's a sort of high concept nature to it. Obviously it's like, this is the movie where they drag a boat over a mountain. Like everything kind of leads to that. And in, in some sense, that's kind of what the movie is. Um, 
so I don't know. It, I think in that way, it's it it sort of defied my uh, expectations a little bit of of revisiting the film. Um, and I will say, I, I think there is a pretty clear three-act structure in the movie. Like, the first third kind of takes place before they get to the boat. The middle third is kind of them on the boat going down the Amazon River. And then the, the third third is the, you know, the big set piece in the aftermath of, of dragging the boat. I, I think once it gets to about an hour or so into the movie is when it really, I think, and, and they get onto the boat and get into the jungle. I think it, it's where it really kind of kicks off. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was a fun movie to revisit. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it this week. And I'm interested in, in seeing what you think about it, John, being the first time you have seen it. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was not what I was totally expecting. Um, and it's interesting kind of the way that you classify the different acts and and the way that the entire thing is structured, because it reminded me a lot of um, one of my favorite movies, which is The, the Wages of Fear. Um, and that movie also takes place in South America, interestingly enough. And you have an hour of just sort of like getting to know the people in this, you know, sort of godforsaken town and why they're so desperate to get out and then why they would go on this sort of foolhardy mission to deliver nitroglycerin, you know, down a bumpy road, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, I really thought it was interesting. It was um, more, yeah, I definitely didn't think it was episodic either, which, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking it was going to be a little, obviously not a war movie, but reminiscent of Apocalypse Now. And um, it doesn't feel like that. Like when I watch something like Apocalypse Now, I'm like, okay, here's the scene where this happens and here's the scene where that happens. And Fitzcarraldo is more just like a stream of consciousness and you just sort of like, uh, we'll go five minutes of, uh, without dialogue of like trying to move a log here and trying to do this here. And, uh, like I found that really interesting and it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but, um, I appreciated all of it. And, um, obviously sort of knowing that the film has a super troubled production history, um, sort of shaped my expectations going in, I think. And, um, you know, that doesn't, I guess it's not really seen. Well, it is seen in, in, in various places, but, um, I agree with Sarah that like, it wasn't as dark. I didn't find it to be that dark and I thought it was going to be super dark. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I so it's going to be like a gyro wrap of God. Yeah. Like, I've never seen two. that, but I, I, I assumed that they were going to be similar. And when I hear that, just the title wrath of God, yeah. I think like this is like a hellish <laughs> right. movie. And I kind of yeah. thought Fitzcarraldo was going to be similar. The only like major, uh, complaint I have, and maybe this will be a good transition into performances, but, um, this guy's name is supposed to be Fitzgerald as a Gilpatrick. <laughs> I think I can say that Klaus Kinski is not a Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how did you when you had when you've seen this movie did you all see it in english because i know there's like different dubs of the film yeah i watched it um all that interesting i'll give a little plug to uh the streaming service voodoo they had it uh streaming for free with ads um and the ads weren't super there was maybe only like four ad breaks throughout and they were just one ad a piece so um if you want to check it out that might be a good place to do it okay and was that English? It was in English, yeah. It was in English. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I watched it on Fandor, where it, it's on. It's streaming there if you have a subscription. And, uh, 
Yeah, it was the English dub too. Um, I didn't even know that existed. I've only ever seen it in German. Seen it in German. Yeah, I. I mean, they. I don't know a, a lot about the production, but I mean, I think obviously they they filmed it in English, but then they dubbed it probably because it was hard to capture sound in a lot of the scenes. Yeah. Uh, so the the English dub and. and uh, you might agree with this, John. It's it's not. I mean, it's not no, a very good dub. It's really um, bad. Actually, <laughs> see that they're speaking English, but it's not synced very well. No, it's not. Um, and I, this is something that drove my wife crazy um, as she watched parts of the film with me, um, and and I can totally understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine it's probably less distracting in sort of those performative elements if it were the the german dub too i think probably yeah Uh, i couldn't even tell that they i didn't even notice if they weren't speaking german if they were speaking english uh mostly because i'm just like a lot of these old bad sort of dubs i'm just used to it anyway and then like i knew for a fact that most of the extras didn't speak english so it was like right they're 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 not saying german or english like and all, we're a, I mean, all we're a kk like sort of speaks english but like that was just yeah. a man from aikidos right like right. that's not an actor he doesn't he doesn't he's not like fluent <laughs> right and even all the white people are all european like nobody's american <laughs> or, or british yeah so yeah i mean it's it's you know it's a very european <laughs> art way to, to make a movie <laughs> And yeah, I mean, there's positives and negatives to it in terms of a viewing experience. But I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, it's, it doesn't really affect how I see the film. Um, no, I mean, it distracted me a little bit in the beginning, but not in any sort of like, sure. super meaningful way. Yeah, especially in the first act. It's where like, it's who all cares? Yeah. Dialogue and right there. Yeah, for sure. It was when uh, uh, Klaus and uh, Cardia Cardinale uh, were... Uh, trying to get into the opera, and I was just like, "Oh, yeah." I was like, "What <laughs> language are they actually speaking?" Is that English? I was trying to read lips, and I was like, "I think so." I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Klaus Kinski, um, you know, somewhat infamously, uh, well, first of all, was not the first choice for this uh, film, as I learned. Um, yeah. Jason Robards was originally supposed to play um, Fitzcarraldo, and uh, he had to drop out because he was he got ill during filming they had gotten a decent way into it and then um i guess jack nicholson was under consideration to replace him declined and then they ended up with kinski had to reshoot everything that they'd done with robards and uh and they had a relationship but maybe not afterwards (laughs) uh yeah i can like speak a little bit to that from the book which is very interesting like getting Doug's take on this um so uh, Klaus Kinski is, uh, for the uninformed, a straight-up monster. Like, he is a horrible person. Yeah. Like, uh, there is talk of, like, you could hear him screaming at Claudia at night or, like, screaming at his wife. Like, that was why Claudia wanted to get the hell off the production as soon as she could, because Kinski was, Kinski was horrible to her, uh-huh. like, behind the scenes. Um, like, talk of him, like, you could hear him beating his wife, like, from, like, the cabin over. Like, he, the things this man flipped out about were just bananas. And it just, like, the way Herzog describes it is, like, a toddler having a temper tantrum. Yeah. Uh, but my absolute favorite part, which I, like, I flipped back through the book so I could, like, tag all of, like, the best parts. And I found my favorite one for you guys. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, 
so this is from Conquest of the Useless, but uh, when Kinski had his next outburst, the Ashinanka Kampa chief and the chief of the Shivankarani Mashiguegas cautiously drew me aside and asked very calmly whether they should kill him for me. <laughs> to be sure I had heard right, I said, kill who? They pointed at Kinski, and the way they spoke left no doubt that they were prepared to do the deed in the next 60 seconds. <laughs> wow. I've heard uh, that before, he, yeah. He said no. Yeah. Uh, they didn't murder him. But, like, I was as I was flipping through, there's, like, parts, pages earlier where they're, like, the compass hate Kinski. Like, they can't stand him. The Like, Herzog just keeps saying stuff like, I feel like they're up to something. I feel like they're plotting something. <laughs> and then you get to this part where they're like, do you want us to murder him for you? <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, it's just, and that's it, insane. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's like Kinski is insisting that he's sick when he's not really sick, or like yeah. that his room doesn't look the way he wants it to. And it's like, you're in the fucking Amazon. Like, <laughs> get over it <laughs> <laughs> well the best part about that and i and you know i didn't read the book um i'm assuming it's probably better source than uh just some of the random like things i was reading online before um we jumped on here but um that basically he told him like no like that's okay like i i need him to finish the filming <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which like, kind of yeah, like says everything. Not done yet. <laughs> I mean, it's a great idea, but I don't know if I can get somebody else down here in such short notice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, how do you feel? Because um, whenever I watch a film that stars Klaus Kinski and sort of knowing all of this extra textual detail about him, that always sort of informs the performance in yeah. my mind. Yeah. So, how do you guys feel uh, that? his actual personality uh, sort of injects into his performance in the film. Um, I This was actually the first film with him in it that I've seen in addition oh, okay. to my first Fitzcarraldo. So I it definitely like colored what, um, you know, my thinking going into this. I think that like everything about the character from like his hair to just the way he like interacts with people, like, suggests that maybe the line between character and real person was uh you know not that <laughs> not that long um sarah what about you i totally disagree actually okay uh because i completely forget how awful kinski is because Fitzcarraldo isn't like the relationship he has with his wife in this movie especially knowing the fact that those two actors did not get along and especially like on Kinski's fault like he was the asshole like it wasn't like oh Claudio is difficult to work with it was like no Kinski's just a dick yeah um that their relationship is this like weirdly like equal footed even keeled like kind of weirdly wonderful sort of thing where I'm like oh my god they just like really love each other like it's so beautiful like <laughs> I was like this is great and then like He's not the one, I mean, he has this insane ambition, but he's not the one, like, you don't get that classic scene of every single other person except for him wants to turn back yeah. because they think they're going to die, yeah. and he refuses. Like, that doesn't happen. It's like the people that don't want to do it eventually leave, and mm. the people that stay with him are not forced to stay with him. Like, they're just mm. sort of like, oh, shit, this sucks. Like, now what are we going to do? Like, it's not like he's this tyrant that's controlling everything. It's sort of like 
people are kind of weirdly drawn to this crazy thing he wants to do. Uh-huh. And so they're just going to stick. They're going to see it through. They're going to see what happens. Yeah. So can I ask you a question um, kind of related to that? What do you think this film is actually about? Um, I feel like the answer to that question has already been given with the title of the documentary and the title of the book. <laughs> uh, the Conquest of the, useless. of the Useless and the Burden of Dreams. Yeah. Um, especially since, like, it's easy, it's really easy to draw the comparisons between Fitzcarraldo and Herzog, especially because you're like, oh, this is a movie about a guy who literally takes a steamboat over a mountain in the Amazon And when Herzog pitched the idea to studios that were still like interested in him because he had, I don't remember what film it was, but he had some like decent success. Uh, Was it maybe the Nosferatu? That's what I was was thinking, probably. The major one that would have happened directly before That might have been it. But so he's pitching the movie and they're like, fantastic, this is an awesome idea. So are you thinking models? Like, what are you thinking? He's like, oh, like, I want to get a boat and drag it over a mountain. <laughs> and they were like, great. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the so amazing... That's why he had to finance it more or less on his own because yeah. the studio didn't want any part of this thing. We were like, that's literally impossible. We're not going to say we're going to help you do that because you can't. And Herzog's like, but I have this dream. I'm obsessed with this vision. Mm-hmm. I have to make it real. And that led to a movie about a guy obsessed with this dream, this vision, and desperate to make it real. Yeah. And so, like, I, yeah, I'm getting a little badly, but I think that. No, that no, no. Is... I mean, I think you're right on. Um, and I, you know, it's like, I agree with you. I don't find him to be sort of tyrannical in his vision. Um, it sort of vacillates for me between inspired and crazy. Um, exactly yeah and which is i mean just like herzog exactly no and i think it's, it's, <laughs> it's precisely sort of like the right tone for everything else that's happening around it and um you know you can imagine a film where it sort of uh slides closer to crazy closer to tyrannical and it being a really really uncomfortable watch considering that they are on these you know protected places with indigenous peoples and um I don't know that uh, we could applaud the film if it slid further in that direction. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, Aaron, I mean, where do you sit on this? Yeah. uh, Well, I, I think, I mean, I think Fitzcarraldo is a movie that has become, you know, so, so historically um, relevant in, uh, in the history of cinema in, in a lot of ways because of all of the context, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is not always the case, nor really necessarily ever should be. But um, I think, you know, totally outside of, you know, all of the colorful details about the major players of the film, you know, Herzog and Kinski, and about how they actually made the film i think i mean i think that just makes it makes it just seem like such a grander sort of production um and it's it's sort of hard without when you know a a lot you know when you know a lot of the the background and, and who these people are and what they were attempting to do and just how incredibly insane that is uh it it can't help but color how you feel about the film and and how 
uh, you know, the the end, you know, the the end piece of of, of what you're actually seeing. I I I'm I would be curious for someone who has never seen it and knows absolutely nothing about it, mm-hmm. like to see it and and get their reaction to the film because I feel like people would uh, someone would still be positive on it. Um, I mean, you still see what happens in the film, and it's still this like crazy grand thing, and it, it totally looks like they're actually doing this sort of thing. I mean, it's uh, you can tell that they're deep in the Amazon. Yeah. But I wonder, you know, how ecstatic someone could be over the, you know, what's what's on screen without um, a lot of that context. I'm just, I don't know. That yeah. seems in- that seems interesting, and is. Um, in the sort of arguments on whether metatextuals, how important they are in in a film, Um, like totally stripping it out. It's just, uh, I feel like as a much, it's not a different movie, but I feel like the way you approach it is much different. I'm sure it would have been for me. Um, I don't know that I would go back and say, I wish I didn't know about these things. So I could have uh, seen it with fresh eyes. I, I, I think it's kind of, you know, part of the experience, and there's yeah, I mean, like you're like how you and Sarah like see Klaus Kinski differently in this film. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't help but watch Kinski without kind of knowing what he is and and having that sort of impact the way that I see the character. Though previous performances that I've seen him in in Herzog movies like Aguirre and. Um, uh, the Nosferatu remake that he made. Uh, I feel like effect, yeah. that is definitely that line that you referenced, I think, between the character, mm-hmm. the crazy character and the crazy actor is much more blurred uh, mm-hmm. in those particular films. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't, I can't help but watch this movie and not think about all of that other stuff. Yeah, for sure. One of the other sort of interesting production details that um that I found when I was doing some research was that, I mean, I didn't realize that this was based on um, a true story, first of all. Um, but the ship that the real life uh, Fitzcarraldo uh, transported was uh, only 30 tons. And Werner Hitzog decided to make this one 300 tons. Um, Sarah, any other like fun details from the diaries or, um, I mean, have either of you guys seen the Les Blank documentary? No, I keep meaning to see it. I really want to see it. Yeah, I haven't Um, seen it either. We're going to have a review on the site um, uh, this week uh, by somebody else. Uh, Matt Warren. Yes, thank you. Um, But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I guess none of us have seen it. Um, but from the book, Sarah, anything cool that we haven't discussed? Yeah, let me think about that for a second, because there's a lot. I think I think what I think is interesting is reading Herzog's writing feels a lot different than hearing him, than knowing that, like, he says these things out loud. <laughs> like, because I think when you hear him say stuff out loud, there's this impulse to sort of laugh at him and laugh at the way... Like, it sounds, because he'll say things on tape or in an interview where you're just like, what What happens in your brain? <laughs> um, whereas, like, when you're reading it, I think we're like, oh, you know, this person's 
putting all these beautiful thoughts out into the world. So I feel like there's actually something that makes it a little more special knowing that like, he's not writing this as if his diary doesn't read this way, like because he edited it to try and make it sound literary. Right. That's just how his brain actually works. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's, there's a part where he says he had, he was having like a particularly bad day and he was feeling like kind of like lonely like alone in the uh, in the jungle and so he is reading a book finishes it and then says because he was so lonely he took the book out into the jungle borrowed a spade and buried it and you're just sort of like again you kind of want to laugh but at the same time you're just sort of like if this was a fiction book, that would be this beautiful metaphor and I just wouldn't know what to do with it. Like, I love that this is a man that like, he's not performing for anybody. This is just how he is. There's a lot of him like hanging out with Coppola at the beginning, which I think is very funny because I never imagined them like being buds (laughs) at all. Uh, Their movies are so dissimilar. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the only thing I'll, I had one other line that I'll read because I don't know if I'll get the chance to put it into my article, which I'm still writing today, but it's up on the site and was great and everyone liked it. Um, (laughs) Is that I thought about this line a lot when we were in the jungle. Uh, So when we went to Iquitos, we took a night with a guide and we left the city and we just went out. So like part of that involved, uh, we're on a little kind of canoe and we're heading down one of the like tributaries of the Amazon and like the sun starts to set and we had been like piranha fishing earlier. And then like the jungle gets like a kind of dark that it feels fake and made up and it's terrifying <laughs> because there's stuff out there and now I can't see any of it. Uh, and Herzog describes uh, some of that stuff as such, which is just as mass can undergo compression, spiders can probably also be compressed condensed and the result is tarantulas <laughs> i'll just say that is is someone who doesn't particularly even like going outside uh <laughs> fitz is about as close to the jungle as i could ever want to get and i'm actually appreciative that uh for being a movie set in the jungle there aren't any particular <laughs> sequences of yeah. gross snakes and spiders and yeah <laughs> and not too bad probably things he yeah yeah i mean herzog doesn't uh i guess he he doesn't really approach the jungle in its uh in that particular way it's it's much more of a big idea <laughs> to him which which i can appreciate yeah yeah for sure from my very comfortable sh- suburban chicago uh, living room. Yeah, I appreciate watching this on my iPad while I sipped iced coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've seen what I now realize have to be a bunch of scenes from Burden of Dreams that have been kind of like, and I talk about this a little bit in my opening statement, like memified, where like I will see people that I am fairly convinced don't actually know a whole lot about Werner Herzog, especially the movie that that film is referencing, or even what that film is. Yeah. They know Herzog says weird stuff, and a lot of the weirdest stuff he's ever said on film was said during Burden of Dreams, during the filming yeah. of Fitzgeraldo. And, like, there's something where he describes the jungle as sounding like a thousand screams or something like that. And, again, it's like, 
I kind of feel like I'm like almost defending the batshit stuff that he says. Cause I'm like, uh, he's not wrong. It sounds weird and scary. (laughs) I agree with this statement. I'm going to co-sign that. You were there. I'll take, I mean, I'll take your word for it and his, um, can Uh, I ask you a quick question? Like what prompted you to go there and like how difficult was it to get to that spot? Oh, so uh, that was like maybe one of the craziest trips I've ever taken. Um, so we start, <laughs> we started by climbing Machu Picchu, which okay, took like sure. four days. Yeah. So we started out doing that. Then we went to Arequipa, um, to the Coco Canyon, which I didn't hike cause a friend did it. And she said she threw up twice. So I was like, mm, I think I've had enough at that point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wanted to see, when I realized you could get to the Amazon, I was like, this might be my only chance to do this. And I want to see this so bad. I have like hardcore wanderlust, like that's just never going to be sated. Yeah. And the only way to get to Iquitos is by plane or boat. Yeah. There are no roads that can mm-hmm. take you there. Um, and that is something that I knew. And I was just working on writing this bit uh, earlier this morning. But, like, when you fly in and you look out the window, you can see the Amazon, this, like, little brown snake weaving through the trees. Mm -hmm. And then you can see trees as far as the eye can go with nothing interrupting it at all. You can't see towns. You can't see streets. You can't see anything except this area. You're like, are you sure there's, like, a landing strip? Like, you're definitely... (laughs) There's, like, a place where we can get off, right? I'm not jumping out, right? <laughs> yeah, and so then I was just, like, I remember looking out the window and thinking, fuck. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> uh, and, like, yeah, I don't know. It was just something that I'd always wanted. Like, I mean, you know, adventurous spirit wants to see the Amazon. Finally get a chance to do it. Got to do it. But, uh I, I, I like having Fitzcarraldo's being this like touchstone that sort of just like takes me back, takes me back there. And I'll end that talk with saying my favorite story was like, so on that nighttime canoe trip, uh, when everything is getting black and I like can't even see like the front of the boat anymore. It's so dark. Mm-hmm. Um, something uh, touched my leg. Oh God. <laughs> so, like something jumped out of the boat and landed on me. <laughs> And I still don't know what it was because then it ran away. And I was just like, I would like to go back. (laughs) I'm having like a mild panic attack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was followed by our uh, guide hurling himself out of the boat trying to catch a caiman, which is like a baby crocodile. Oh, good. Helpful. Uh, He did. And then I was like, well, what are you going to do with that? I think there's a photo of me holding it somewhere. Um. And he's like, oh, I'm giving it to the boat driver. I'm like, well, what's he going to do? And he's like, I don't know, probably eat it. And I was like, oh, all right. He's like, yeah, it's kind of part of the payment deal we've worked out. Like, you guys catch the fish, and he gets to eat them. And then if I catch a caiman, I'll let him have that, too. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I guess Fair he doesn't enough. have to do grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But, it's um, the law of the jungle. <laughs> the jungle. Um, yeah. So, um Werner Herzog, uh, I mean, I know, Sarah, you told us beforehand that you're pretty familiar with both sides of his filmography, the, the docky mm-hmm. side and the uh, fictional side. Um, it, does Fitzcarraldo, is that like your favorite film of his, or do you have others that you really, really like too? <sighs> yeah, I have, a, I have others that I like. I, I 
don't know what my favorite would even be. Like, I've seen Strocek multiple times. I've seen Fitzcarraldo a couple times. Grizzly Man, because everybody's seen it. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the only thing I can think of right now. As I saw... You're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to have to look up the name right now because I am forgetting what it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump over to Aaron while you look that up. Um, sure. What about you for Herzog? Are you pretty uh, familiar with his filmography too? Uh, yeah, I've mm-hmm. probably seen seven or eight of his movies mm-hmm. on both sort of sides. Um, I, I've already mentioned my connection to Aguirre, though I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Uh, I am a fan of his, um, uh, another film I've mentioned a few times is Nosferatu remake Mm -hmm. starring Kinski. I think that's a very interesting take on uh, the character, um, especially with Kinski's performance. It's, it's uh, it's it's very much deranged, but it's also very sad. Um, <laughs> very much I, deranged. I, I think I got to bump that up to my must watch soon. Then, like, yeah, you're selling me on that very well. It's it's really good. Um, it's it's also very. I mean, it's very like European kind of style. It's not. I mean, it's a horror movie, obviously, but it's not like it's very untraditional in terms of like a horror movie, but it's very artfully directed and it's very quiet and slow with this just very uh, amazing performance at the center of it. Um, In terms of his, his newer movies, uh, I'm a big fan of rescue Dawn, though. I I haven't seen his documentary on the same story. Um, You know, some of his, his, Nature documentaries, Encounters at the End of the World, The Cave of Forgotten Dreams, those are very good. Um, Cave of Forgotten Dreams is still (laughs) the only movie I've ever been thankful that 3D existed for. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, That seems so stupid that you'd be like, why on earth would a movie about caves be cool in 3D? But I was just like, wow, I really feel like I'm in this space. This is amazing. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I, I didn't sure. see it, unfortunately, in 3D. But it uh, still is a very interesting experience. Um, Bad Lieutenant, uh, Port of Call, oh New Orleans. Oh, my God. I Nicholas love, Cage. love, love that movie so much. The like, movie is gross and horrible, and I hate it. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> totally, like, wackadoo. Uh, and just, not, like, to be clear, not on a... Uh, a uh, testament to how good the film is but I, how much I enjoy watching it which is none <laughs> it's, it's too much it's too much for me I can't like I can't handle yeah. it yeah uh, but I did remember the name of the movie I was trying to think of so I actually think in, in response to your question uh, John uh-huh. I actually am going to go ahead and say I think Fitzcarraldo is my favorite okay it's my favorite Herzog but the one that I wanted to mention is I saw not too long ago Lessons of Darkness which is like the most Herzog thing that's ever Herzogged. But it is, it is a documentary technically Mm -hmm. about um, like post Gulf war Kuwait and the oil fields there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's all of this like crazy beautiful footage of these oil fields, just like, an inferno, just columns of flame shooting up into the sky and Herzog narrates it as if he is 
like a like an explorer from another world as if this is a sci-fi film like like as if this is an alien territory and we don't know that these are people and this is earth mm-hmm. which i actually think was this very cool way of like taking this war that had been on tv and sort of like disconnected from the american public in this weird way where we're like ah, it doesn't really affect us like directly yeah yeah uh, and turning it into something where it's like if you like use that separation to like make this more meaningful, here's what like I can make out of it. Like I can give you the appropriate amount of horror and shock that you should have without like it's basically like trying to do that without showing you like a bunch of like terrible like war images of just like bodies piled up or something. It's like it's like another level than that. Yeah. Um that I just thought was like crazy interesting and cool and like unlike anything I've ever seen. Also, it's only fifty minutes long. So oh, <laughs> you have very, my attention. <laughs> it's very, it's very doable. It's not you know two hours of this like bizarre thing. It's just it's. I feel it's like more like an art piece than yeah, a movie. Have either of you seen his recent film? I think it came out two years ago uh, about the internet. Lo and behold, lo and behold, yeah. Have Have you guys seen that? Uh, no, I really want to. Though. I saw it. Yeah. You did see it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much, like, peak, like, the Herzog caricature of, like, his insane sincerity. Yeah. Like... <laughs> that is a good phrase. You write that down. Copyright Aaron Kingston. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Just, like, like, asking if the internet dreams, like, totally, like, <laughs> and believing it, like, believing in that question. The question like, yeah, the validity him. of it as a question. Yeah, um, like totally. it's it's. I I really like that movie. I I don't think I it. I don't think it was as uh, received as much praise as some of his other recent documentaries. But I did enjoy it. it it's fun. there's probably an expectation for people who maybe aren't like us in terms of our sort of uh, movie dumb uh, fandom yeah. that hertzog movies work best if it's something that we're like not super familiar with because then his sort of like yeah i guess what you say is what did you his like his like awe insane earnestness um it feels like more approachable but when you're talking about something like the internet then it just sounds like somebody who's maybe a little bit unhinged it's like yeah sorry that i don't think as deeply as you do about the thing that i use to um update my facebook profile and you know uh yeah check my fantasy football team right i think think that's totally right i think the kind of premier essential way to like view anything that herzog puts his fingers on is to try and view it from the lens of like looking at because he very little of what he does is not informed by things that he really cares about or believes in or has interest in so it's like figuring out what Herzog thinks is interesting is like a fascinating endeavor in and of itself. Because I knew a lot of people that saw Grizzly Man and were like, this is just some moron that shouldn't have been out in the woods with fucking bears. This is stupid. Right. But like when you stop being like, well, this isn't about whether this guy should have been out there. You can see that what Herzog wants to know is why was he out there? Yeah. Why was this person interested in this? Like, sort of self-destructive way like what was happening in that person's mind that pushed them out here and you're like well now all of a sudden that's a lot more interesting (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's I think that's fair. And uh, he never tackles anything from like a truly like straightforward direction. Like he's rarely like telling the story of an event. It's and maybe oh, yeah. like Fitzcarraldo is perhaps like the closest thing to that. Maybe. Which is an insane thing to Which, say. Yeah, no, I know, but like it really is. Like now but that I think about it, right? But also, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff in there, and and he's fairly prolific. Um, Especially lately, I feel like he's got almost a movie coming out every year, which is uh, yeah. I mean, crazy. he's he's releasing movies now that like people didn't even realize came out, like oh, yeah. the Nicole Kidman Queen of the Desert yeah. movie that <laughs> was released, I think, secretly because I don't. I'm uh, from what I understand, it's not very good. Um, but yeah, he's like multiple movies a year now. It's crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Well, um, any other like major points that um, we neglected to bring up that you want to talk about, Aaron? Uh, I guess kind of actually just jumping off of what you had just said, one of the things that I think is really great about Fitzcarraldo, which is something that in most movies would be like totally awful, is while the characters explain exactly why they are you know, on this endeavor, like we, we know why Fitzcarraldo is like wants to drag this this ship over the mountain like we understand it technically and and they tell us why it like doesn't matter <laughs> i mean like yeah that's not what it that's not what it's about like you said um it's uh, uh like you could totally excise the scene where he like draws the diagram of the two rivers and is crossing it to like explain to the audience and to the ship's captain like what we're trying to do here like you could totally take that scene out and and like just have this just be about this crazy ambitious person who is wants to do this incredible thing and that's that's kind of enough yeah yeah sure sarah any um final points that you want to mention um not anything important but a very fun fact because i want everyone to win your trivia nights uh, Cholo is played by Miguel Angel Fuentes, who will always and forever be in my mind uh, the co-star of Puma Man, the greatest movie ever made. Oh, Puma Man! Okay. Yeah, uh, don't worry, guys. It's on Netflix. It's a Mystery Science Theater three thousand oh, yeah. about a superhero, sort of. All right, my afternoon <laughs> is spoken for. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is hands down one of the best episodes of the MST3K they've ever done, and I love that movie. It's great. Okay, cool, perfect. Um, so I guess it's going to wrap things up for us this week. Before we go, thank you to the Hemingbirds for the use of our song half a, their song half a second off the album. No, it's ours now. It's we'll split it. We'll split it. We get the opening thirty seconds at least. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at This Is Essential, and uh, definitely check us out on iTunes. Um, subscribe to the podcast and leave us some feedback while you're there. It will help other people discover and enjoy the show. Um, Aaron, um, yeah. what do we got coming up? Uh, well. Right after this week, we're going to be off for a week um, because taking a, a week off every once in a while is uh, good for my sanity. Yeah. So I don't turn into Klaus Kinski. <laughs> uh, and after that, we're going to come back with uh, a movie that you're going to lead, John. Another Yay! 
Big long epic. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but very different movie. Uh, Warren Beatty's Reds. Have either of you guys seen that? Uh, yes, I've seen. Before. Okay, cool. I have. Darren, have don't know what it is. Uh, it is wonderful. I think you'll like it. I think you will too. Well, you don't like anything. So maybe- <laughs> I like things that are good. That's not my fault. <laughs> it's sort of a, it's an interesting, I mean, it's a very, it's a very different, it's, it's a very interesting. Another Warren Beatty movie. movie. It's, it's, it's pull. I, I feel like it's polarizing, we'll right? We'll have to see. I'll be back on my usual uh, contrarian beat when we come back with uh, There Will Be Blood. Uh, oh, and the wait, wait, wait. There Will Be Blood um, and No Country for Old Men. Team No Country Till I Die. Oh my God! We are gonna have you to. You don't even talk <laughs> get into it. I'm sure, but you don't have to choose. Oh yeah, you do. It's teams. You okay. have to choose a side. All right. <laughs> Team Edward. <laughs> Team <laughs> HW. The battle, of the battle of Oscars 2008 is gonna rip my marriage apart. Still. <laughs> well, I guess we all know we have a. A couple of fun discussions to have. Yeah, in the next, yeah I think we <laughs> the next will. Golly, that'll be interesting. Uh, okay, cool. So, thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.